0: Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. Titus 2.6. I thought Steve was going to preach my message. (laughs) I was about to say, you just stay up there. There he is. You stay up there. You're doing such a good job. This is awesome. (laughs) All right. Titus 2, 6. Actually, I need to turn there myself. Likewise, exhort the young men to be sober-minded in all things, showing yourself to be a pattern of good works, in doctrine showing integrity, reverence, and incorruptibility. It says, exhort the young men to be sober-minded. Um, you know, it's good to have services where we have sober services. Actually, Pastor had said something Sunday night. Sober night was Sunday night was a very <laughs> sober night. It was Sunday night. What he mentioned he mentioned the word sober. I thought he was going to take what I was going to talk about too. And um, but it was it was a very um, sober minded. And that just means like serious. You know, we're not joking around. We're, we're taking God serious. We're taking the time serious, the times that we live in. And it's really important, you know, that we reverence God when he's moving in that way. I remember when I first started coming to church, it used to get on my nerves when people would say, well, we just had a rip stomping, crazy Holy Ghost service. And I'm like, well, the sober services can be Holy Ghost services too, you know. So, of course, that's just me being picky. I know what they meant, you know. It was great, and the Holy Ghost was moving in a different way. But he moves, he moves in all different ways. He moves in the ways of what we need. You know, we're a church family, and, you know, that, he knows what we need when, and he's moving us all along together. We should be together. Um. But God's so good, you know. I'm I'm just so thankful I have this church family. I mean, y'all for me really and truly are family. I mean, I I re- didn't grow up in church, and I grew up in a family that was pretty reclusive. We didn't really, you know, go out a lot and do a lot of things, and and I myself am not the most extroverted person. But when I've moved down here and saw what a church family is and what it can do for you and what a blessing it is. I mean, it's just, I mean, God knew what he was doing when he created the local church. You know, he truly knew. And I am just personally, I am so grateful that I have a church family. And um, we just have the best, most fun people in this church family, I personally think. (laughs) I should hear more amens than that. (laughs) Come on, y'all. All right, so we've been talking about revival, and you know, what? one of the aspects, and I'm not preaching on revival, but just something that's been on my heart, and I, I don't have a whole lot tonight, make up for last time, because I think I went way too long, but anyway, um, what's been on my heart is, you know, what? what does revival look like? You know, does it look like running and shouting and dancing? Because you, you have to be really careful that you don't get this box idea of what you think it is. You know, God moves in many different ways. And, and actually, if you study out quite a few revivals, a lot of them started with just people repenting, you know, on their knees, um, people coming in, getting born again, and, and, and I'm not saying everyone's, every revival was like that, but, but that, that, that is an image, let's, let's say, is that, that is an image of revival, and we have to be careful that we're not thinking, well, you know, you know I'm in revival because I'm shouting a little louder in praise and worship. Sorry, I told you it was going to be sober tonight. (laughs) It's going to be real sober. You know, I'm good. I'm good. You know, what does it truly look like? You know, I don't know. We've mentioned how winter retreat with the youth and singles. And we've kind of, pastors kind of mentioned that that was kind of like an igniting to some things going on in our church and changing. And I don't know if... If you guys know what happened, I think that there's this image of we went to winter retreat and we were, you know, it was one of those rip-stomping crazy, you know, running around, rolling on the floor, laughing kind of a service, and that we had that the whole week and we were just floating on clouds and everything was just, it wasn't. It wasn't like that at all. It was extremely powerful. The other is powerful it was extremely powerful kids repenting, adults repenting, just saying, ah, I'm not where I need, I'm not where I should be. And some of the teenagers just blessed us so much. We've, we say things over and over and over and over, you know, why are you fellowshipping with this person who doesn't even know God and hates God? And why are you hanging out with these people? And It's like, are we ever making a connection? And then, like, we go to win a retreat, and they just step up, and they're like, I'm going to do it. God told me, cut that relationship off, and I'm going to do it. And they didn't just get up and say they were going to do it. They did it. And then we saw, we started seeing this, like, snowball of people coming up and publicly, like, in the group, and in our meetings saying, you know, I've had a problem with this for a long time, you know, and, and I'm just, I'm not doing it anymore. And we've seen changes and fruit. I mean, that's where it started. It may not be what you kind of thought, but I just want to make sure it's really clear that, you know, don't put God in a box. Don't put him in a revival box that certain things have to look a certain way or sound a certain way. We, we've had so much fruit from those meetings, just, I mean, I've seen some people just radically changed after winter retreat and like I said it's you know, it's it it came we came back and it's it's moving throughout our church. God's good, you know. So I just I've had really had that on my heart you know, for a long time. You know, when when someone is revived, you know, it could be someone that um is, you know, has never been interested in giving maybe ever, and then, and then all of a sudden, you know, they're like, you know, wow, God gets hold of them, and, and they're giving, you know, it could be something like that, just, you know, I'll, you know, people will be in revival, it it's different for everybody, and it begins somewhere, because God has so many good things for us, but some of us are, you know, like, don't touch my stuff, you know don't 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 touch my when it comes to money don't touch my relationships and he's not wanting to take stuff away he's wanting to add to you but when you're clinging on to the old stuff you know he can't he can't add the really good stuff to you you know he's good he's got nothing but good 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 things for you you know that's just that's just how he is um all right, turn to second Corinthians six sixteen. you know what God wants for us He wants us he doesn't want us. Doing, just doing something because, well, I know I need to do it. It's not what he's looking, it's not what we're looking for. It's not what God's looking for. You know, the scripture says, if you're willing and obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. And he could have just said, if you're obedient, you'll eat the good of the land. You know, but there's a big difference. I've seen obedience just to be obedience, whether it's the workplace, whether it's a church, And then a lack of fruit in that person's life, you know, I've seen that. And I know because the willing knew that person personally and the willingness really wasn't there. They just wanted to get people off their back. And God said, if you're willing and obedient, and you know what, if if that's where you're at, I'm not trying to be condemning. Just get on your knees and say, Lord, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm not willing at all, and I need your help. You know, show me, you know, move on my heart, help me so that I get the right attitude and I open my eyes so I can see, you know, where I need to be, where I'm supposed to be. And, And I mean, and He will. And when you're doing all of his word, you're willing and obedient, I mean, then he can really bless you. He said you'll eat the good of the land. Amen? You know, just, and I think Steve said this, this is, you know, what I wanted to, one of the things I wanted to mention was just do what you know. It's not, oh, my gosh, I've got to get my Bible, you know, six hours a day because I'm not spiritual and I'm not feeling it. It's not about that. It's not about that at all. You guys do we we've, we've heard so much. Just do what you know. Do what you understand now. Just do that and light will come for other areas of your life. You know, and and you'll be you'll be shocked at how you you know, we talked about this at the ladies retreat. You know, it, when you give God your, even if you're just like, okay, I've been so busy. You know, we all are very busy and we have busy lives. Um, and one of the things I said was, you know, I've, I had gotten into the habit of the whole multitasking. Okay, I am praying today, but, you know, I'm washing the dishes, I'm screaming at the kids, or I'm doing my makeup in the morning and I'm getting ready for work. And I'm, there is, it's good, You know, you're charging yourself up, you know. I'm not thinking about, you know, stupid stuff. You know, I'm praying. I'm praying in the spirit. But there's a huge difference when you just drop everything. Even if all you have is five minutes, just start there. Even if it's just five minutes, just say, I'm going to take out five minutes each day this week or just a few days. Just start wherever you're at. Drop everything and get alone. And I know some of you moms, you know, you might have to lock yourself in a bathroom. <laughs> you know, I mean, seriously, sometimes it's hard to find that place where it's quiet or, and I know when, once you get the kid down, sometimes you're just like, oh my gosh, I just want to put my feet up and pass out. And that can be hard, but just, just start with the five minutes, you know, you can give God the five. and, and like, all out 5 minutes. Don't sit down and start thinking about what you're going to do tomorrow or your grocery list or whatever. All out 5 minutes. You know, just be with him, get with him, talk with him, tell him how you feel, you know, the the, the whole shebang. And and you'll be shocked at the refreshing that you get and the 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 change in your heart towards things that I mean, God's just so good. I mean, And I think Steve said this at the thing. God told him, you know, don't you think I can do something in five minutes? I mean, he's God, you know. He can move. He wants to move in your life. All right. We're in 2 Corinthians 6.16. And, uh, you know, when you're getting in his presence, you don't have to work yourself up. And I know this has been a recurring thing we've been saying. You don't have to get spiritual because if if you think that way, you're going to discourage yourself and then you're not going to do it. Well, I need to read my Bible for an hour and then approach God or I need to pray in tongues for an hour and then I'll really feel like I'm in his presence. Well, if you think like that, you're going to begin to discourage yourself out of it and then you won't even do it at all. You know, God's there. 2 Corinthians 6.16. In what agreement has the temple of God with idols? For you are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will dwell in them and walk among them. I will be their God and they shall be my people. He has told us he will dwell in us. He will walk among us. Sometimes you just read one scripture like that. Just remind yourself he's here. His presence is here. When when Greg and I were out at Ramah, we had prayer school. One of the the leading ministers in charge of it just drilled it into people. You know, we don't have to sing, you know, 20 songs to get in the presence of God. He's here. If you're just aware of it and realize it, he's here. You will come in completely different and and the whole rest of the service will just be Phenomenal And because he did that, they did have some phenomenal there, and Greg got to go to more of them than I did because my, of my work schedule, but he said they were by far of all the classes, all the church services. He said it was by far the, the, the best he got the most out of and the best services that they'd ever had. And a big part of it was just they knew, you know God is here. when we walk in, when we start, He's here. And we're focusing on him. We're not thinking about anything else. And it, they had amazing, amazing encounters with God, you know. And, and it's it's not supposed to be hard. So remember that, you know, Just go, just go be with him. Even if, like I said, you just read one scripture and remind yourself that's right. You know, he is in me. You know, I am the temple of the living God, and he's with me. And when I go to pray, you know, he hears everything that I'm saying. He loves me. He cares for me. And, and this is not a waste of time. And it doesn't matter how I feel. You know, he's, he's, he's with me. Amen? You know, like I said earlier, sometimes it's just as simple as asking the Lord to open your eyes. Um, to see, you know... The, the, the high value of what he has for you in his presence, um, go to Ephesians one sixteen. Because when I first got into fellowship with the Lord, when I got back into fellowship with the Lord, um, I didn't really know where to start. And I was in Pittsburgh, and I was looking for a church, couldn't find one. And I had made up my mind, okay, I'm done with college. I'm coming down here. And long story short, um, I think I had, I I was talking to Cindy and I, because I decided I'm coming down here. I'm going to go to this church because I hate Pittsburgh anyway. I want to move to sunny Florida. (laughs) It's going to be so awesome. (laughs) No, I I really, truly love Florida. And, like, never want to go back up north. It's fine for a visit in the summer every once in a while, but that's it. So, anyway, yes, amen. So, anyway, I didn't really know where to start. So, I remember talking, to, I was probably talking to Ike more because I think uh, Cindy, um had, Katie was really young or something. She was pretty busy, but I talked to both of them. Anyway, he told me to start in Ephesians, what to pray for myself. And I remember being like, it's not real exciting. But I wanna read like an old testament story about someone who failed and then God raised them up to be this big mighty person and you know, so I wanted to read something really exciting or something that made more sense to me. But I was like, ah, you know, I I'm in this boat because of my decisions previously, and <laughs> I'm gonna take his advice. <laughs> so I started reading these scriptures, you know, one sixteen says, Do not cease to give thanks for you, make mention of you my prayers, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you. And I would. when I would pray these for, for myself, I, sw- I, ch- I just put my name in or said me. He may give me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him, the eyes of my understanding being enlightened, that I may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. And what is the great exceeding, what is the exceeding greatness of his power towards me who believes according to the working of his mighty power, which he worked in Christ. Anyway, I put me in there and I prayed those every day, you know, a couple times a day. And, and I really just light began to come and I was like, wow, this really works. Like I didn't fully understand it, but that's okay. I trusted, you know, what I had told me to do. I trusted him, and then I just trusted, okay, it's in the Bible, you know, let's, let's do this, Lord. And I, I just, my, because I was in a position where I wasn't going to church, but I was hungry and desperate. And he gave me somewhere to start, and I held on. It took me a few months before I could get down here, and this, this kept me holding on. And I would make sure that I had, I, I I mean, I just knew I wanted to spend time with God. I mean, that wasn't like somebody had to tell me. So when I did, it began to just really grow, and I just began to see things differently. I began to see everything, every, just what, you know, where I was and where I needed to be and just that God had a future for me and that I had authority. I mean, Talk about his great, exceeding, exceeding greatness of his power towards me. You know, to begin to see that. I mean, these are, these are just life-changing scriptures. And these are excellent, you know, for if you're praying for someone else, too. But, um, you know, God's so good, you know, it can, it, it really can be really just as simple as that. If things get too crazy and too difficult, just go back to basics. Go back to doing what you know. And you cannot be that person who, yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah, amen, I know that's so true. And then you never do it. You will go nowhere. Absolutely nowhere. You know, go home tonight and say, okay, where is it? Where, where do I need to, to start? What is it that... I've kind of had this idea that things are this way, but I'm really not thinking it, looking at it from the way God's looking at it. And, you know, just just get with him. Take the time. And if you heard something tonight that you're just like, okay, is that me? Because I really think I'm fine. You know, I think all of us, I mean, like every day there's, there's, there's a time where we can just be like, Lord, you know, I need more, you know, forgive me for not, you know, being more for you. And just humble yourself. Just humble yourself and be hungry. And God can do so, so much in you and through you. Um, Turn to Joshua 4.19. Now, I did not mean mean to spend that much time on that, so I'm going to have to do this a little bit quicker, but You know, don't don't take what you have here for granted. And I know you've heard that before. But people don't have revelation of the word everywhere, and there's churches that um, they don't they they don't even have the word. They just have religion. And last time I checked, God didn't even create religion. That was not His idea. And so. Do not take this for granted. And don't think, well, it, you know, you make it sound so easy. It can't be that easy. It is easy. Things with God are meant to be easy. It's not meant to be difficult and hard. And I know I've said that like 10 times, but I just feel like it's, you know, it's got to get over to some people. All right, Joshua four nineteen. Now the people came up from the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they camped in Gilgal on the east border of Jericho. And those 12 stones which they took out of the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, When your children ask their fathers in time to come, saying, What are these stones? Then you shall let your children know, saying, Israel crossed over this Jordan on dry land. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan before you until you had crossed over, as the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up before us until we had crossed over, that all the peoples of the earth may know the hand of the Lord, that it is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. Now, They took the stones out, and they were creating, like, a monument or a memorial to remember this mighty, um, powerful deed that God had done. And the thing here I want to point out is, it says, Then he spoke to the children of Israel, saying, because he knew there were generations that were going to be raised that we're going to be like, I don't know what those things are, you know, who cares about those stones, and just walk past them and not think anything about it, if they weren't told what and why it was such a big deal. When your children ask their fathers in time to come, what are these stones, then you shall let your children know. And then he said, "You know, Israel crossed over Jordan on dry land. God dried it up. You know, he did this big, mighty deed. Let your children know. You know, we have to pass on what we know to the next generation. We have to, have to, have to. And coming to church three times a week is not passing it on to your children. It truly is not. It's it's not about coming to church. It's about a lifestyle." And your lifestyle is what makes such a huge difference. Because your lifestyle is constant, and everyone sees it. And just because your children aren't saying something to you about it doesn't mean they don't notice. They pick up everything from you. And we cannot take what we know for granted, no matter how simple it might sound. Sometimes when I teach my kids... I'm explaining something to them. Well, this situation, maybe you should have done this, or what do you think you could have done here? You know, sometimes my mind's like, you're talking to them like they're so like they're babies, but if if I don't and I don't tell them ten times, that they just don't, they forget. Well, the distractions of the world—not that they're stupid—but distractions of the world are pulling on that generation, on the next generation, like never before. I mean, think about think about this generation anyway. I mean, years and years at what? Years ago when there wasn't TV, there wasn't iPads, there wasn't games, there wasn't, you know, I mean, there wasn't, there was quiet time. There was probably way too much. <laughs> and I'm sure people are like, thank God, times have changed, some you know, older folks. But there's 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 great things about technology, but then at the same time, the devil is just riding that wave of I'm going to use this and distract everybody as much as I can. I'm going to keep them so busy having so much fun that they're not sober-minded. They're not realizing what's going on all around them. So you really you know we have to pass this on. We have no matter how simple it sounds, no matter how many times. We have to pass on what we know. Um, And I have a really good example. This hit me so hard when I was reading, when I first read this. How many of you have heard of the country of Albania? Well, let me go ahead and just read it. Now, this, this... Particular thing about Albania was written before communism fell, so keep that in mind. According to Romans 1519, Paul took the gospel to a place known as Ilichium? I I don't know. It's, It's a crazy name. Anyway, that's basically Albania, okay? I'm not a Greek scholar. I do not know how to say that, so... I don't know. Anyway, after he did, the churches and people were so blessed by the beautiful light of the glorious gospel that signs and wonders followed. Today, that same region is known as Albania. It is the place where Paul performed so many signs and wonders in the name of Jesus, and the glorious gospel was proclaimed with all its beauty and power Through Paul, the people of Albania saw the gospel manifested through powerful signs and wonders. But notice the more recent history of this nation, where so many miracles had been performed. Albania is the first nation in the world to declare herself totally atheistic. Today, it is a communist nation. Like I said, it's not now, but when this was written. And most of the people are Muslims. In 1967, after a fiery speech by Albania's ruler, 2,000 convents, monasteries, mosques, and churches were taken over to be put to use for, quote, better purposes. The ministers and priests were assigned to hard labor, and since 1967, the practice of Christianity has been totally forbidden. Bibles were collected and burned. And even the mere possession of a Bible warrants one's being shot by a firing squad. It is hard to believe this is the same place that once saw such mighty signs and wonders. A broadcast from the capital city of Tirana reported that severe measures had to be taken to erase Christianity from the minds of the people. Extreme measures such as sealing Christians in barrels, rolling them alive into the sea... The Bishop of Duress in Albania was enclosed in an iron cage the size of his body. Inside the walls were covered with spikes that penetrated his flesh. He was then pushed along the streets until he died. The London Daily Telegraph reported that several priests had been shot by firing squads. Children are placed in state nurseries from birth. Their parents are not allowed to have custody of them. They are given two hours visitation privileges daily to spend with the child if both the child and the mother desire it. Over half the population in Albania is under 25 years of age. Less than 5% of its citizens are ever permitted to leave the country. Albania is the second smallest country in Europe, the size of Belgium. It's bordered by Yugoslavia, Greece, the Adriatic, and the I- Ionian Seas. It is Europe's most primitive backward nation, though the, communists part, though the Communist Party's chief objective is to create A new man. This place had witnessed the birth of the gospel, had seen uh, miraculous signs and wonders. And years later, it was as if he'd never been there. I mean, how does a place get there? How does that happen? You know, If we don't take advantage, you know, of our our time of visitation with God, we open the door to be sliding that direction. And I guarantee you that didn't all happen overnight. Paul was there, and then a month later, it was like this. No. Things slowly, you know, the devil's not stupid. He's gonna get things under the radar till people in the wrong positions can get more and more and more control. And in their whole country, it was forbidden. They, you know, it was horrible. Now things are better today, and I guarantee you it's because people were praying for that country. Because people, you know, people recognize, wow, this place is a mess, and they're taking the time to pray, and I guarantee you that's why that's why it's different now. But when I read this story, I was like, you know, such, I mean, such miracles and signs and wonders. I mean, in other places where Jesus walked, it's as if he was never there. I mean, such, such a huge thing. And it can just, you know, people just slowly. I remember Pastor talked about, and I think I even mentioned this last time, you know, you don't have, when you're on the, like on the Itchituckney River, And you're with, you know, your raft or whatever. I mean, you you just you're just going, you know. It's you're just floating. And I mean, you have to make a real concerted effort to like get back to your raft or or to get to the side to you know to stop yourself because the tide is going. And the way this world is, I mean, it's going. And we have to shake ourselves. We have to, as we've been saying, push through the veil of the flesh. You know, even if it's, I'm going to take that five minutes and just get with God. Just tell them how much I love them and spend time with them. Even if that's where you're starting, pinch yourself, get yourself awake, go drink a cup of coffee. Whatever you have to do, you know, shake yourself every day. We have something so great we cannot take it for granted You know, we're going to hold on to this. You know, God's so good. You know, we have to make sure that one of the things that spurs me on personally is, you know, I've got to pass these things on to my kids. And I do not want to be gone or later in heaven living with an eternity knowing I dropped the ball on my kids. And whatever it takes for you personally, you know, stir yourself up. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that just I have to stop myself when I get, you know, really crazy busy and just mind is elsewhere. You know, halfway through the day, I haven't even talked to God. You know, I'm like, oh, my gosh, this is not just about me. I have people I'm responsible for. And I can't do that. You know, I've got to make sure I'm growing. I've got to make sure I have things to tell my kids. I've got to make sure I have an example. Um, You know, we we brought up at the women's retreat, we were talking about doing devotions um, for your kids. We had some questions about that. And, you know, I, I do want to say something about that. We uh, don't, you know, if, if you hear examples of people who, okay, the whole family sits down, you know, it's, we're, we're you know, it, it's awesome. If you have that, your whole family takes time every night, and you're going over Bible stories or whatever with your kids, that's great. But don't let it make you feel like crap if that's not how you do it. <laughs> okay? Because you have to do what works for your family. <laughs> You have to do what works for your kids at the age that they're at. Obviously, that's very important. But, you know, we, we don't actually do things that way, personally. Um, what works best for us is a continual throughout the day, and a lot of it is on the way to school. I'm talking to the kids, talking about, okay, I know we got school, and it's not every day, but several times a week. Remember... Stay focused on what this life is about. You know, you're not taking those math books and stuff to heaven with you. You know, we're, you're going to school to learn, but keep focused. You have people you can reach, kids your age that only you can reach. Some of those kids are only going to be open to other kids their age. You know, stay focused. And then when they get in the car in the afternoon, oh, my gosh, this happened. And that's the perfect time to go over, okay, well, what do you think – you know, well, how did that person respond, and what do you think would have been a better way to respond? What do you think would have been a godly way, or do you think maybe, you know, when you had this situation, you think you could have prayed about it? Like, for us, that's what works, and it's almost a daily thing. It probably is. It's so natural, I don't really think about it that much, because when this was brought up the other day, I was like, ah, Steve's talking about this wonderful example of sitting with the kids and it just sounds like there's butterflies floating around and like and I'm like, it's not like that for us. We, you know, we just we put into our kids, but we we have to do it differently, you know. Yeah, we have to do what works for us. And so do what works for you, but do something. You've got to pass it on. We 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 can't take for granted what we have and what we know, no matter. Like I said, no matter how simple it is, and if you feel like you need to say it to your kids twenty times to remind them, do it because the world is screaming the same. They're crazy stuff at your kids twenty thousand times a day, so make sure we're passing it on. You know, that's it's a huge, huge part of our job. You know, God, God knew when I was thinking about the whole devotions thing. I was like, you know, there's a there's a reason. Um, and I think Leah said this, you mentioned Mary, where's she at? Didn't you mention Mary at the retreat? Yes. You know, there's a reason that Jesus was given to Mary because God knew, you know, he didn't just know the scriptures by osmosis. He was a man when he was here. She obviously put into him. She took him to the temple. She made sure he was there. She made sure he was hooked up. She made sure he wasn't sleeping like my kid tries to sleep on Sunday nights and I have to pinch her. It happens. But she made sure that he was listening. Hey, I have to do that. So, you know, we need to pass this on. We, we have to. And let's, you know, let's be the same way. Let's, you know, let's pass it on. And if you don't have kids... our responsibility is to pass it on to people we come in contact with. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching.